Welcome inside the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan alongside Chris Parliament, who made it back from a successful trip into the woods on the weekend. I'm still in Ottawa, and we've got a big game to recap. Chris Phillips night. The Senators came to play the fastest, second fastest four goals in franchise history. Four goals in the first period or on a night where number four was being honored. Number two is no more in Ottawa. Dylan DeMello on the move. We'll get into that trade. Many defensemen moved after. Was the price enough? All that and more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast. Your team every day. Today is Wednesday, February 19th, and man, the boys did the big rig a solid with their performance against Buffalo last night. They almost looked like a team that he was a part of back in the day, you know, when they had the pizza line and they were putting up all those goals, getting the nickname the pizza line, because if he would have got so many goals at the home barn, they would have got everybody in the stands would have got some free pizza. So last night they uh, honored him right, put up a big night, and uh, Ross, you were there to see it. Yeah, well, you mentioned that uh, the fans get to go home with um, the the pizza when, when the pizza line uh, lit up the scoreboard. Well, last night, because of how fast they scored the goals, I don't know exactly what it was, but everyone gets to go home with a $3 Big Mac. So n- maybe not as good as a free slice of but still, nonetheless, fans got to go home with not only that, but the first 10,000 in attendance got a little banner that uh, I still have mine from the Alfie game too. Just a mini replica banner of uh, Chris Phillips' number that is now hanging up in the rafters. So that was a neat little, uh, little take home. But the ceremony was awesome. You got to see some uh, Sens alumni. Igor Kravchuk was there. Uh, Sean Van Allen. Who else am I missing? Alfredson, of course, who didn't have a big part in the, in the event. But he was the last guy in the row when they showed Phillips walking from the dressing room out, he shook all the alumni's hands, Ron Tugna, Todd White, some other guys that were there. Um, so that was really cool that Alfie was there. And if you're looking for a man to give a speech at your wedding, try calling Wade Redden because he was awesome. He, had, he was up there for probably about 10 to 12 minutes. If you haven't seen it yet, the Sens have posted uh, all of it on their um on their Twitter account. So I thought that was so cool that, uh, that he was able to tell some stories and, uh, it was actually a wrestling match against Patty Laleem that gave him the nickname, the big rig. So, uh, the fans got a great laugh out of that all in all perfectly done. How cool of it, uh, for Curtis Lazar, uh, an old housemate of Chris Phillips during his rookie year to be the only saber, um, who came out on the bench to watch the, for, for the most part, the entirety of the ceremony. So I thought that was a classy move by Curtis Lazar, not so much on the part of the Buffalo Sabres, the rest of them, uh, who I think uh, could have shown a little more respect and, and come out to there to, uh, to witness it. But all in all, great night. And then the Sens go down to nothing right away. Like before you could even, uh, the, the banner settled in the, uh, in the rafters, the, the score was two nothing. And then the boys just started lighting it up. Apparently. They did, and they did it in pretty cool fashion, too. You score the first three goals, and you're right back in the game in what felt like two seconds, just over a minute, I think a minute 15, right in that range. And then with 444 
left on the clock. A friend of the show, Drake Batherson, little curl and drag, whips one up high, then bangs in his own rebound. 444 on the night. Number four goes to the rafters. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and I can even one-up it in the sense that in in between each commercial timeout, they would go to the alumni box and, and ask his former teammates questions, just a quick like one or two questions. And when it was 2 nothing down, Igor Kravchuk, who I am sure will eventually be a guest of this show, he, uh, of course, is Russian, and he goes up, he says his piece. Next thing you know, Nemestikov and Anisimov score right, right away. Then it's another TV timeout, and Dennis Vial, old tough guy for the Sens, who happens to be Drake Batherson's uncle, he goes on the scoreboard, and Drake scores on the next shift. So I thought that was some pretty cool symmetry there, too. Pretty wild when uh, the stars kind of align on nights like that. And uh, one thing I wanted to throw in there, too, is there's a couple cool moments that they did on the TV broadcast that I guess you would have missed. So uh, they had one moment where Brent Wallace did a feature in the dressing room, went through all the stalls that he sat in during his tenure with the Senators and how uh, he had some highly regarded spots, one of them being beside the stereo, another being beside the bathroom that lasted until Big Z got there. But then, uh, you know, they used to call it Leader's Lane going back to the showers because Elfie sat there, then Phillips in the middle, then Big Z on the other side. So some pretty good names there to be sitting in between. And there's a lot of cool little things like that. And then during the first intermission, he gave a great interview where it looked like he was definitely having some fun and uh, enjoying the moment with Tessa Bonome telling some good stories. One that I didn't know until last night, and it was funny, they actually had Kyle Turris. Uh, he took a shot of milk, and I guess he had said that uh, he hopes that Chris Phillips takes a shot of milk to enjoy the night because when Kyle Turris was a rookie, they invited him out drinking, I guess, having a good time. And uh, the big rig himself looks at Turris and says, I don't know if you can keep up, kid. You're going to be doing shots of milk tonight. So it was a pretty fun little time. Lots of good little stories and stuff like that. It's pretty cool to see the people behind uh, the visor under the helmet, I guess. And when they get honored like that, all the good stories come to the surface. So that was a it was a pretty cool moment to watch from at home as well. Yeah, I was taking full advantage of the, uh, the new feature put in at the CTC. $5 cans of Molson before puck drop. So I had about 25 of those. Uh, but I tweeted out, actually, you mentioned the shot of milk. And I didn't know what the story was behind it that you just shared. So that's awesome. But I tweeted out from the Sense Central account, tourists doing a shot of milk in honor of Chris Phillips is peak what could have been. And then I followed it up with an all caps. We could have all been shooting milk out of the Stanley Cup. But uh, no, it was awesome. So the, the Ottawa Senators, the, the, uh, it's the second fastest four goal barrage in franchise history. Three minutes and 29 seconds to score four goals. That was just Awesome. You mentioned Drake scoring with 444 left in the period. So the stars all just kind of aligned. 7-2, the final score. Sorry, 7-4. I mean, I must have slept through the last two uh, Sabres goals. But no, the best part either way was Anthony Duclair. Not only him scoring, but the reaction on the bench. It, it's one of those things where you don't want to mention it in the room because you know a guy's struggling with it and you do, you kind of want to let it go unnoticed. You know, a guy like that who's been leading the team most of the year with goals and stuff like that. So no one really says anything. But as soon as that first one goes in, the boys all know. They all know that it's what's happened, what that means for a guy like him. And I can't believe it lasted that long. But what a relief that must have been. And uh Man, getting the monkey off your back has got to be an unbelievable feeling. 22 games 
without a goal, Chris. That's a quarter of the season, and he's still second place in the Ottawa Senators in, in uh, goal scoring. I think that says a lot both ways. Absolutely, it does. I mean, it's so weird that on a night like that, I mean, sometimes you just need a little excitement in the building and buzz in the building because last night was one of those nights where there was no offensive explosion where the offense has kind of been disappeared lately. And, uh, you know, it was a, it was one of those nights last night. I remember sitting and watching the game and thinking, this is one of the first times it's been fun to watch a Sens game this season. You know, it's, there's been so much, well, what's going to be like next year? What's going to go on with this? What's going to go on with this? Last night was a night you just sit down, you enjoy the festivities and you enjoy the game and they showed up for sure. And a guy that showed up the biggest was probably got the biggest question mark beside his name. Yeah. Jean-Gabriel Pajot with two goals and two assists, five shots, and he played over 18 minutes in the game. There are some chatter today. I know Sean Simpson was tweeting out on his account that talks could heat up. He thinks it would take about four by four to keep him. I think at this point, four by four is is kind of fair both ways. Fours are flying. Yeah, aren't they? And four hey, by four for number 44. There you go. And then how about the Gord Wilson call? We also have to wish our best wishes to Gord Wilson, who suffered a, a minor health, uh, well, heart attack on, uh, on the weekend. So, um, really hope that he's doing better. Glad that it was caught quickly. He was able to uh, to go to the Heart Institute, and I uh, tweeted out that uh, that he's feeling better. So uh, we are thinking of you, Gord, and we're thinking of that call now that you mentioned, John Gabriel Pajot, where it, after he gets his fourth goal, that's four for forty-four. Uh, would be awesome if uh, if we could use that on his contract as well. But um, would you have a problem if it's four by four? Not at all. I mean, you're paying for a guy that's playing the best hockey of his life in the time where the Senators are probably playing the some of the worst hockey in franchise history. Uh, you mentioned he had two goals to assist last night in 18 minutes. I think it's uh, pretty important to mention that when you talk about John Gabriel Pajot and coming up to the deadline, what his best traits are, he showed them all last night. And I think the biggest one is he was 67% in the dot. And you got to think that's against a red-hot Jack Eichel who can pretty much do it all at an elite pace in the NHL. So 67% in the dot. I mean, you're paying for so much. And I think one of the biggest things you're paying for is, uh, you know, his feet, his ability to put up points, but the letter on his jersey and what that means to that room for a little bit of consistency moving forward as you start to see the light at the end of the tunnel. So four by four. It's not too much term, and it's not too much money, especially with the uh, the amount of money the Senators are going to have moving forward. Well, that's the thing. And even if in the third and fourth year, maybe he's a third-line center as these kids develop, um, a two-year term at that point is something that you can either move if you have to, or it's not going to make or break you. I don't think it's a back-breaking contract with everything that he, that he does on and off the ice. And what a perfect night to coming off of where a player who's basically honored for his longevity, his service to the team, to the community, I mean, it's kind of just like Pajot. And if if anything, I think Pajot might even have more talent than Chris Phillips ever had. So there there is that to consider as well. And uh, one more note on the game before we move on. You know, Artem Anisimov has 13 goals. Like This guy might hit 20 goals. Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. They were mentioning that on the show last night. I mean, it's... Uh... I mean, you put up a night like that, and it's it kind of 
it kind of jumps into the into well, the relevance. And, and he had the OT winner on Sunday, so that's four goals or three goals in his last two games. Exactly. So sometimes that a little bit skews where he at, is at in the year because you know three goals he could have just been at ten through this much, but still thirteen goals for a guy like that that you bring in. Uh, yeah, it was a little bit. It's a little bit surprising when you look at it, but at the same time, I mean, putting up goals like that, it seems like in games. I don't know. He's just, he's putting up goals where the puck finds him out front. It almost seems he's never explosive. He's never driving a player exploding into a scoring chance. He's kind of tucking in goals. He's got a couple, he's got a nice shot. You know, we saw it last night, tucking that one up under the bar over the shoulder, but he's definitely not a guy that's driving the play. So it's, it's 13 goals that have been helped out thoroughly. I would say. Averaging three minutes less than he played last year in Chicago and just needs two more goals. And he's played 42 games. He needs two more to match what he had in 78 games. Guy who has no goals but has a lot of value to the Ottawa Senators, or we thought he did, was Dylan DeMello. Mello is no longer. and writes Mello. You got to remember that from, from the Uber uh, video. Always a stand-up guy. One of the best content guys in uh, in Sen's history with his remakes of the uh, the Christmas movies and uh, just uh, some some fun Sen's TV. I remember uh, where he did like a reporter thing where he was getting in the scrums. Uh, best mustache in Sen's history, I think is fair to say as well. He was traded to Winnipeg for a third round pick in this year's draft. Your initial thoughts on the trade, Chris? A uh, third rounder is, I think, fair when you look around the league, and especially yesterday, we got lots to compare it to, and comparables flying around. It seems like it fits. Um, you know, you look at a guy like that, and Senators fans might be saying, well, we're giving up so much, but I think a lot of that has to do with the intangibles you just mentioned. He's a good room guy and stuff like that, whereas that doesn't really come to play when you're getting close to a deadline. What does come to play is what we were talking about a little off air here, Ross, and that's the lack of goal scoring ability and uh, the lack of point getting ability, which teams are looking for and is available around the league. So I think the senators were good to pull a trigger on this one. Um, and I think you look at a third rounder and you might not think that's a whole lot, but it's kind of adding to the bounty that the senators have this year. That's seven picks now in the first three rounds. Yeah. Including of course the two first round picks, one being San Jose and San Jose got worse as well. So is the which which one of the trades that happened yesterday there was or even today with um, Alex Martinez got or Alec Martinez got two second round picks, Brandon Dillon got a second and a third, and then there's Marco Scandella who just got a second, but Montreal had to hold on to two out of four million of their their dollars. Um, I mean it's tough to to kind of look at these trades and saying well, what is a team adding versus what is their need, right? So, I mean, you look it around it, and we mentioned it a little off air as well. Brandon Dillon is a beast, but I think the biggest thing is that's just a shocker to me because if you were to tell me Brandon Dillon was getting moved at the deadline, I would have thought a huge piece would have been having to come back the other way for San Jose because we all thought they were going to be a successful team this year, and I think including the San Jose Sharks giving up a first-rounder. So, I think that one's got the biggest awe factor just because of how fast that thing is, sorry, sunk for the Sharks. Yeah, he's definitely not going to be the last piece moving out of San Jose, but they're also kind of bogged down by tough contracts to move. So it'll be interesting to watch San Jose going forward. 
Yeah, my take on the Demello trade, I tweeted out trash return right away. I think that was a bit of a uh, a snap reaction just because he's been so good with Shabbat, just as that steady, stay-at-home, Mathot-type defenseman. Right-hand shot, you'd think, would have a little more value, um, whereas the other guys, I think all of them are left-hand shots. So I, I just thought that there was a little more there. But what what can you do? What's the difference, really, a second and a third-round pick? I'm not going to lose any sleep over it, that's for sure. But... We just, I guess, got to give our stick taps to Dylan DeMello, who's the first of, I would assume, many moves. If you saw the lines at practice today, the Ottawa Senators had five full forward lines on the ice. So do you think that a forward might be the next one out the door? A name that was mentioned that kind of caught me off guard, but makes sense is Nemestikov because he's a good penalty killer. You know, he's right up there at the lead league for shorthanded goals, now tied with Tierney last night. And I forget the third name, but those are the two Senators, and that's the Senators show, so we'll focus on that. But, uh, yeah, I think Nemestikov could be a guy to go. Um, you, you know, you, the names Chris Tierney, Jean-Gabriel Pajot are definitely up there. And there's lots of different uh, available things to go on. And I don't think that uh, there's too many uh, hard no's other than the Brady Kachucks and the Colin Whites and the Anthony Duclairs up in the forward group. So you never know, really, who's going uh, to be the next domino to fall. But I think the three names there, Nemestikov, Pajot, and Tierney, are the obvious picks of who might be the next to go. If you can get anything better than what you gave up for Nemestikov, which was just a fourth-rounder, then you have to pull the trigger. There, there's no question, right? You have to, and if you put it into perspective, if you can even match what you got for DeMello in a third-round pick, not only does that bring you up to eight, but you're right. It's moving a piece. It's like uh, it's like buying a car and flipping it. You're just getting a better value, right? So, well, I mean, you put up – sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say at, uh, at some point, people are going to say, well, how many picks do you need? But it gives you that flexibility. If you have these thirds, you can put a third – with or two thirds and try to move up and get another one in the second or you just have so much more flexibility with these picks oh yeah there's definitely a lot of value and stuff like that and making giving yourself a lot of options let's say you uh you get a guy in the second round or there's a a, you your pick is a little later in the second round and a guy that you really have your eyes on and we know how good the senator scouting staff is if there's somebody right there in the second round that you really want that you think can add a lot of value to your team going forward and he's slipping I think that's one where you look at it and you say, maybe this team doesn't have a lot of needs and they have a second round pick before our second round pick. Let's flip them two thirds and get the guy we definitely want instead of just adding more to the stockpile. There's definitely lots you can do with stuff like that. And uh, yeah, going forward, more picks, the better. For sure. One guy, and we should mention, this was on the anniversary in 2011 of the trade that brought Craig Anderson to Ottawa, one of the best trades in Ottawa Senators history. You can't say the best. Of course, the Yashin trade will always be number one, bringing back Spezza and Zidane Chera. But Craig Anderson, what he's done for this team, this franchise, the stability that he's put in between the pipes, we got to give some serious stick taps to him because on that anniversary, he earned his 200th win as an Ottawa Senator, pretty impressive. That's a feel-good moment, too, because we talked about it on a couple a couple shows ago, how important that was for him. Just a milestone night, really, all around for the Senators. And then, again, a season that's kind of been a downer all year long on a night that it was a, a festival in there. It was a good-sized uh, crowd. It was loud in there for the first time in a long time. Uh, it was It was a good night for Andy to go out and get his number 200, something that we now know means a lot to him. 
Well, I can kind of put this in into context as well because getting to 200 wins is not easy. That actually ties Patrick Laleem for 91st all-time on the wins list. 91st all-time. And that's only in Ottawa, right? So he's he's still like... I don't know. I just think that's super impressive because he only got here when he was like 30. Although he only had 87 wins before he came to Ottawa. So, I mean, he's kind of, he's climbing here. Like top 40 in wins all time is nothing to turn your head at. Nothing at all. I mean, how do you look at that and say he's not one of the top 50 goalies of all time? You know what I mean? He's, he's made some runs with the Senators and he's definitely backstopped them to a lot of things in his tenure here. And uh, it was, it was good to see him get 200 last night in a game that you mentioned it earlier, two quick goals. He looked pretty frustrated with himself. And uh, on a night like that for the Senators to come back for him, he's had their back so many times. It was a night they came back and uh, put up a little run support for him. Yeah, you just love to see it. I, I was so happy for him and to be at the game made it even better. We won't get into his uh, his save percentage or anything from last night. Last night was a, <laughs> a Craig Anderson, just a battle game. One stat line I do want to get into quickly from last night's game. Well, it's a two-parter, but they both go together. How often is it that you see two out of six NHL defensemen play under 10 minutes? Cody Golbeff played nine minutes and 37 seconds, and Andreas Englund played seven minutes and six seconds. That's relying I mean, a lot on your top four. It is, but it, you have to put it into perspective that you moved a player out of your top four. Yeah, right? definitely. There's lots of there's You lots have to of trust the guys that are in the lineup. Absolutely. What's your second part to that? Second part is Mike Riley, who played the fourth most minutes, maybe his best game as a senator. Six shots on goal. He was just, he's so calm when when he's under pressure, and he had two assists, and I just wanted to say I liked his game. I, I appreciate that, because you know what? He's got six shots on goal. Those are six good shots. He's got a good shot on him, and you're right. He's got a lot of uh, ability to, and poise, I think is the right word for it, to just not uh, not panic with the puck. And uh, you said two stat lines that I wanted that you mentioned, and uh, I got one I want to mention, too. At one point in the second period, the Senators, the Senators were winning the shot total 16-3. to three. In the period. Wow. I don't think they've put up numbers like that at all this year. No, that's super impressive. And yeah, it was just, I think you put it best when you said it was like the 2006, 2007 when Ottawa would play Buffalo. And I remember there was one game, it was 10-4 in Buffalo where Alfie had four goals and uh, Havlat had four goals in the same game uh, when the Sens offense was just unstoppable. And there were points in last night's game that felt like that. So that was awesome. It's uh it's really cool to it, it just reminds everyone the passion that Ottawa Senators fans have and it it kind of boils down to what the common denominator is of why that building can't always be rocking super weird seeing Mel Gibson by the way sitting next yeah, to sitting next odd. to Eugene Melnick maybe not the best human but hey no wonder they get along then the Belleville Senators we're not going to get too much into the game tonight since their their Wednesday night game starts in an hour and a half against the Rochester Americans. But we will say that Joey Decord, if you had bet the over-under on AHL games for him this year, I think you probably would have said under 20. Tonight's his 21st game. So uh, we want to recognize that. 13 wins in those 20 games so far. So um, stick taps to Joey for that. And other otherwise, you got anything on Belleville? Or should we get right to the tankathon? I think it's important to mention that uh, Josh Norris, I mean... 
just continuing to put up points. Another three points in their last game, and uh, those goals are continuing to climb. Obviously leading rookies in goal scoring because he has 28 goals, but not only is that leading rookies, he's tied for second league-wide. Like, this kid is going to be a weapon soon. We're starting to see Drake Batherson. You know, he's dominating at the AHL level, and now we're starting to see him get comfortable at the NHL level and bring those offensive tools we all know we had in Belleville. I just start to wonder, I mean, when is Josh Norris going to hit the scene, and when is he going to start to hit his stride at the NHL level? So 28 goals, I think that's definitely something to be excited for. Uh, I mean, we're recording now. There's not much to say about tonight's game, but I wouldn't be surprised if he hit 30. Yeah, and if you want to go to a comparable, the one that jumped out, I think I saw it on Twitter. I wish I could give credit, but um, they said that the closest season comparable to the AHL in the last kind of five, six years is Miko Rantanen. Because Rantanen had, in 15-16, he played 52 games in the AHL and had 60 points. Well, right now, Josh Norris has 53 points in 50 AHL games, and they both did that at the age of 20. So that's pretty impressive. That is very impressive. And one quick note, getting off topic here, Miko Rantanen. Oh, that's a tough injury. That hurts yeah. the Avs. Um, it's just tough to see when guys do that. Uh, another another note around the league, too, that just came to mind as we were talking about it. I mean, we talked about Anderson a little bit earlier. There's injuries kind of happening around the league now that you wonder if they'll snowball into anything. We just talked about Andy's 200th win and how important that was for him. Uh, we And we just also saw Philip Grubauer go down, too. So who knows if there's going to be a couple more injuries that see uh, some some more necessary moves and some more desperate hockey teams trying to make moves to uh, fill in for playoff runs. So uh, the Miko Rantanen injury, uh, that's tough. I don't think we're going to replace a guy like that. Uh, but there's definitely some other ones around the league that get you start to think what what's going to be the needs around the league and what isn't. You know what is also very, very tough? What? Earning points in the stand. Not earning points, but catching up in the standings after you fall behind. Remember Montreal went on that run where they won like 9 out of 12 and gained 2 points in the standings? Yep. Well, the same thing is going on with a team that the Sens are very, very close to keeping a keen eye on. And... I think they've won four to five games. I'm, I'm scrolling down Kevin Kurtz, who uh, he's the athletic writer for the Sharks, and it's a guy who I follow quite a bit. Here it is. I found it. Um, so, yeah, he's great for uh, – it's at K Kurz NHL. He goes – this is on uh, February 17th, so two days ago. The Sharks were 11 points out of the second wild card spot on February 4th. Since then, they've won four to five. Now they're 10 points out, still in the same spot unbelievable isn't it like yeah that I mean, push down the stretch and that's what teams are trying to do find that one game breaker that's going to earn them those extra couple points that extra little jump up i think at one point this year uh league wide the like teams eight through 18 were one point apart it's so tight when you get in these games and it's so important for teams battling for spots so yeah desperation time and it starts to kick in right about now every year yeah, on Sat on um, Friday's show, we'll we'll talk about the weekend going forward and and get more into uh, to the Sharks and uh, that'll be pretty much that'll be our second last show before the trade deadline. Um, so it's going to be uh, boiling down and and then you can really start to kind of handicap the the lottery. Of course, 
on Send Central every day. We're tweeting out the tank watch teams to keep an eye on around the National Hockey League. Uh, we got some good feedback. They want the Sens games included. I figured being Sens Twitter, y'all would already know when the Sens are playing. But uh, <laughs> I will add that in. Um, but yeah, we mentioned all the defensemen on the move, and they were all coming from these teams at the bottom. Like The Kings aren't going to be the same team without Alec Martinez. The Sens aren't going to be the same team without Dylan DeMello. And boy, the Sharks are going to miss Brendan Dillon, I think, as well. So uh, we're going to get into all that moving forward. Just before we get to the tank spin, we will say that uh, the Sharks are are playing not tonight, not Wednesday, but they will be on the ice Thursday, February 20th. And they are, it's actually a huge tank watch game because they're in New Jersey. They're coming east, so they'll be playing the uh, the Devils. And I think that's a perfect way to lead into the Tankathon spin. Would you like to do the honors today, Parley? You know what? You go ahead first, bud. All right, so just to set the stage here, Ottawa with the third and sixth best odds, sixth, of course, with the San Jose pick, meaning the third pick has an 11.5% chance, and the sixth pick has a 7.5% chance to be the first pick. Not great, not great, but it could be worse. The Ottawa Senators would pick fourth and seventh in my spin. How about yours? Well, Ross... I don't have a lot of movement at all, except for those LA Kings who just moved Alec Martinez are moving up to number one. New Jersey Devils are moving up to number two. The Senators are staying at three and at six. So not a lot of movement at all involving the Senators, but uh, LA moving up to number one. And you know what? If Alexi Lafreniere heads to the West Coast, yeah, it's better than him staying in the East. Yeah, that's fair. How crazy is it that uh, Pilsy and I did this on Monday's show? And both of us on our first spin, the team with the 1.5% odds got first on both of ours. Imagine that. The Leaps pick got Alexi Lafreniere. Oh, my God. Of course, it's based on point percentage. So um, even though the Leafs are right now still in the playoff picture, that's scary if you're a Leaf fan. And, uh, uh, man, the uh, Leafs Twitter is a fun place to be if you're a Sens fan uh, during these times. Uh, the overdrive show is, is usually must-list, and those guys know their stuff, but it's even better when O-Dog gets fired up about how the Leafs don't have that compete level. So I think we'll leave you with that so you guys can go check out some some Leafs banter because the interwebs are a great place to do it. Actually, that reminds me before we go, uh, the man in front of me, the kid in front of me, now he's probably like 25, was wearing a Leafs hat at the game. Don't do that. Don't wear a Leafs hat to a Send Sabres game. You look like a complete idiot, and I will chirp you every time. You know what his comeback was? He turns around because uh, there's a towel on the ice. I don't know if you saw that in the third period from the Sabres bench, and um, the puck touched it. And I said, hey, that thing made more saves than the Leafs' backup goalie all season. And uh, he turns around. He goes, nice toque, bud. Are your ears cold? <laughs> Were they? I was like, yeah, a little chilly. <laughs> all right we'll leave you with that for the locked on senators podcast that's chris parliament i'm ross levitan stick taps to dylan DeMello. get well soon gord wilson we'll be back on friday to preview a weekend heading in to the trade deadline